I'm Paul Hamill and you're listening to the Grassroots Coach Podcast, a podcast for grassroots soccer enthusiasts. Yeah, 2008 we started with our uh, future program, the developers, and it was inspired by Dries Mertens because he was an extremely late mature player, played for Anderlecht, was always sitting on the bench and I saw him in, uh, in Anderlecht, he was also in our top sports schools. And I wanted to invite him for the national team because I, I, I was convinced of his talent. But it was impossible to win with uh, Dries again. So I spoke also with other people and I said, we need, we need another project. We need to, to find, because there, is, there are more players like Dries Martens. And, and this is then the reason why in 2008, yeah, we invest in this because now today the budget is about, yeah, maybe 40% to the future teams and 60% to the other teams. And I see the outcomes is unbelievable. In this second episode with Bob Broways, I discussed the importance of the late developer to Belgian football, how they identify talent, and the importance of creating a learning environment for young players. In Ireland here, we still still very much based on an age-based structure, you know, that that you will you will get involved in soccer and it'll be, you know, under six, under seven, under eight, all the way up. It just struck me that it, what, what you're doing in Belgium is nearly closer to classification type competition than age, whether it's based on stars uh, to do with quality or to do with age and biological maturity and all that kind of stuff. Is that, that am, am I getting close to the mark there in terms of, is, is it a change of mindset to look at more like classifications than just the age of the, of the, the boy or the girl? Yeah, I think it's correct. Of course, uh, the starting point is, is the age, eh? mm. <laughs> because again, uh, people normally, they are developing, they, they have a development line, and normally, you have eight years old, boys, girls, they have a little bit, yeah, the same qualities or they are playing a little bit the same way the game. But there are also differences. And it means that it must be able for a late developer to play in a competition one year younger. And this is possible in Belgium, yeah. So he can go to, to the doctor and the doctor analyze, okay, yeah, you have the body not of uh, a nine-years-old boy, but of an eight-years-old boy, so you are allowed to play in the under-eight competition instead of under-nine, yeah? Then you have the four levels. So when you're too good to play on the lowest level, you can go to the second level, but the higher you play, the more guarantee of quality there is, the more training sessions there are. So you see the pyramid, and you have, of course, elite football, and elite football is okay to prepare the future of your national team, very important. But do not forget also uh, grassroots. Grassroots, the, the more players playing football, I think the higher the top also will be. So it's very important for us to give every child the right learning environment. So it's not 100% related, uh, appropriate to age, but there is also the question of level, and of biological maturity. And um, I think it's important to take into account uh, this also. The, back, say, 15 years ago, when, when I was with the association and, and I was aware of our teams would say, we're playing Belgium in a late developer game. That's the first time I ever heard of it. I always thought that, now granted, it's a long time ago. I always thought that this is 
a way of looking after that player who's, who's, a, who's a late developer. However, in the reading I've done for this, it, it seems to me more like a strategic initiative to say that actually it's not just that we might catch the odd late developer. It actually is more of a focus on the importance of the late developer, that, that they may be the, the one that will, will actually come through um, in later years or, or may have the, the greater chance. Is it a strategic yeah. change? Yeah, it's first indeed a strategic change. And uh, we wanted also by our future project uh, show the clubs how important it is to work with late mature players, yeah. Mm. But this project of late mature players, the future project, first of all, we do this for the player. And for me, it's about ethics in sports. It's giving the, the same opportunities to play, the right environment, to late developers as to early developers. But as you know, we have the huge impact of in, uh, when you are born, the beginning of the year or the end of the year, but also during puberty, it means under 14, under 15, under 16, about your biological maturity. There are so huge difference between a late um, mature player and an early mature player. It is really unfair to competition between a late and an early mature player. So it's about giving the same opportunities to all your players, yeah? That, of course, is important for federation because when you are not having a project, when you are not giving the right environment to late mature players, you're losing talent. We are a small country. Ireland is a small country. We cannot compete with the biggest countries when you are losing any talent. Yeah. So we need to take care about any talented player, late mature, early mature player. And then there's also, for me, an economic reason, interesting for the clubs, return on investment, so when they have a good project, and for instance, today, it's amazing how Underlecht is working with late developers. It's unbelievable. So you see also that players now today who are doing then or playing in the first team, a lot of them, they were in our future project. It's about money then, yeah? So they can go abroad. They can go to other competitions. And for the clubs, there is also an economical reason. But first of all, for me, we need to do this for the player. It's about ethics and sports. And can you give me an example? And this is for, for the listeners also. Just examples of how that manifests itself, This the late developers. Like, is, is it competition purely for the late developers? Is it, uh, I've read, you know, you, you, there, there's dispensation where, a team can have, you know, two late developers playing down an age group. So could you just give, give me a couple of examples of, of how practically that, that um, you know, that, that it plays out? Yeah. Um, first of all, in our uh, federation uh, projects, when we are doing some uh, talent uh, ID days, talent detection days, so we make our groups based on um, the, the birth month when we are speaking about under 12, under 13, and about biological maturity when we are speaking about under 14, under 15, under 16. It means that we invite players, we organize games only between the late developers, only between average uh, mature players and early mature players. Then it's easier to assess 
the talent. Yeah, then you will be more correct when you. Bob, Bob, can I stop for talent. one second just for clarity on that? Are you saying that at under twelve, under thirteen, it's it's age only that'd be the indicator? So born in January or born in July. Yeah. But at yeah. under 14 upwards, you might be looking at the growth spurt or um, peak yeah. height velocity and, and some measurements. Am I right in saying that? Yeah, you're right. Because, okay. um, yeah, when you're 11, 12 years old, the impact of um, yeah, the growth spurt is not there. Right? There is no real impact. The impact is more, is bigger, um, yeah, the, the month you're born. Yeah? Because when you are born in January, you are physically stronger than somebody born in December, but you have also had more hours of practice, yeah? And it starts when they are seven, eight, nine years old. So you see a, a big difference. Uh, why they are more skillful born in January than in December? Only because they trained more. And, and this is really yeah, a proof that there is an impact. But when then a child is growing, um, having more muscles, then there is a real impact of uh, maturity. And this is the reason then we make this difference. And does that approach go all the way down to club level or does it really only happen at regional level or you come into the federation? Yeah, this is what we do when we're organizing talent days. Uh, when we have also future national teams from under 15, under 16, under 17. Because, yeah, okay, we have our European Championship under 17 and there it's about winning. It means there's a championship for early mature players, a little bit for normal mature players, but with a late mature player, it's impossible to win games. Yeah? And it's also important for the federation to participate in European championship because you can give them international experience. Yeah? But we have a second uh, pathway also um, for the lay developers. So we organize international games, international camps. So we bring them together. We can, we can speak the same language. We are working around the same tactical principles. And then the transfer from a future team to another team, it's easily. For a club, it's a little bit more difficult. So a club can ask dispensation to, for a late mature player. A club can also uh, put a player one year older when he's early mature. Mm. Instead of playing with the under-15s and being the best he, he, uh, a club can uh, say to the player, you will play with the 16. There you will not be the best. It will be a little bit more difficult eh, to play, so he will learn, learn more. But it means that the mindset is about developing players and not about winning players, because when the mindset in the club is to win the championship, they will play with the 15s, but all their strongest, physical strongest player and only mature players. So this is important. We think also that a lot of variation and learning environment is good. So it means that sometimes it's good to organize a training session between late and early mature players because you force the late mature players to think faster, to play faster, to look more for space. And this is a very, very strong learning environment. And this is the effect that we see when we're working with late developers. At the end, you see more talent when the club is working with this talent, yeah, when they're putting the whole time the late mature players on the bench, yeah, there is no player who is developing when he's sitting on the bench. So this is also about changing the mentality. And this is the reason we started from a strategic point of view in 2008 to show also to clubs work with uh, late mature players. Yeah. The, um, the dispensation that you mentioned, is that is that... Does that apply when a late mature is playing at a lower age group? Is that where that comes into yeah. play? 
And is, is that just linked to the regulation? Is that just something that... It's a regulation. It's a, from a medical point of view, um, but it means there is no obligation also, yeah? So when you have a late mature player, you can look for the right environment. Sometimes you can say to the late mature player, this weekend, you play one year younger, yeah? But sometimes you will play together with, with the players of the same age group. And this is also important, yeah? That you find, you try to find the right environment. But there is also on the lowest level, another regulation that when a player it's, it starts playing football, when he's nine or 10 years old, something very interesting for girls, they start sometimes a little bit later playing football in a club that on the lowest level, a club can also ask a kind of dispensation that this player is playing also one year older or one year younger, but the reason is a little bit, yeah, the skills are not yet developed enough, yeah. So, and this is also allowed in Belgium that on the lowest level, a kid is playing one year younger because of a little bit a lack of skills. Okay. The just going back to club level, if if you're you know a classification by age is straightforward. The in terms of biological assessment, I mean, is it is it simply clubs are doing height, waist, simple um, peak height velocity measurements and just just doing that over maybe uh, three four times a year? Is that kind of what what how it's done? Yeah, they are doing this uh, on a little level. I think they are working um, yeah, on a scientific way to measure really the biological maturity you have different methods but i think it's it's easy you can see this with your eyes you can see with your eyes if a player is, is doing his growth spurt um you can see with your eyes if the the, the player is developing a little bit more uh, on his muscles or the hair is growing on, on, on the leg so you see sure. that and as you say, through coach, through coach education, you can educate yeah. coaches to be able to see yeah. that kind of thing or be aware of it. Yeah, yeah, you see this. So you do not need all the scientific approaches. Yeah, for me, the question is to find the right learning environment for every player, where he can score, where he can find uh, success, but also where he must battle, where it is a little bit difficult. Then he will learn the most, like you explained in. The, and, and you know the term, the term that I would use, player-centred. So player-centred to me are the things you're talking about there. Yeah. Is that a term you use in Belgium, player-centred? And what does it mean if you do use it? Yeah. In everything that we're doing, we do this for the children. The children is in the centre of the, the organisation, in the club, in the federation. Yeah. So my job is there for the children. I do this for the kids to help them in their development. And then I'm happy at the end, uh, when they finish um, yeah, the, the cycle, when I see progress. And this is very important that you, you find satisfaction in the progression of the, the players and not in the ranking, not in the results, yeah? So then when you're really focusing on results, you will have to train seniors. When you want to work with youth players, focus on um, the development and on the progress. And it's, it makes you happy when you see players progressing well at the end of the season. Bob, the, the term I always use for player-centered is, is play at the appropriate level, right? Which is not always easy, right? No. Uh, but all the things you're talking about there, uh, 
makes that more achievable, I think. But something I, I, I heard recently and I really liked it was the players should play at a level that makes them happy. I thought that was really good. Yeah, it, it's, it's not easy also. And what is happening also too much, this is that coaches decide this. You, you have to decide it together with the player. So players centered means also ask questions to your player, listen to your player, do a good conversation with your player, ask your player, what do you feel? Are you happy? Yes or no? Is it too difficult or not? Sometimes you have players in your group, they're really looking for challenges. But sometimes you have players, they like more comfort zone and so on. So this is about creating the, the right learning environment together with the player. I, I thought that was so simple that are you happy? Because even as you're saying, you can see these things by watching. You can, you can see it. You can see a player might be happy because they're performing well. A player might be unhappy because the level might be beneath them. Uh, a player might be unhappy because other players won't pass them for whatever reason. You know, I think it's a good gauge to go, you know, yeah, things are, things are good here because they're smiling and they're, having, they're yeah. having fun. They are enjoying it and, and they're actually feeling fulfilled by the, 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 the level of performance, I suppose. No, and of course, it's, it's difficult. It's the most difficult job of a youth coach to enter in the mind of a player. It's also about coaching style. And, and what I miss often is uh, the questioning. For me, a good coach, 80% of the time is questioning. And 20% and, and, uh, of the time, he is giving solutions. He is giving answers. And too much, you see, okay, that coaches, they are always explaining the players what they have to do. You need to do this and this and this. No, ask the right question. And it's up to the player to think about this and to give also ownership to the player. Yeah, Who is the best coach? For me, it's the player himself. He is the best coach. And it's, it's his career. And okay, he has his uh, ambitions. And sometimes a young guy has a big ambition, sometimes too big, but sometimes yeah, he is happy only to play football. So it's, it's fine. It's okay. Yeah. And um, we, we, we also need to change a little bit this kind of uh, coaching style. I think it's sometimes too direct from the coach to the player instead of yeah, listening, asking questions, and then helping players also to find uh, the solution. That strategic kind of pivot or shift towards the late developer, did you say it was 2008? Yeah, 2008, we started with our uh, future program, mm. developers, and it was inspired by Dries Mertens because he was an extremely late mature player, played for Anderlecht, was always sitting on the bench, and I saw him in, uh, in Anderlecht. He was also in our top sports schools, and I wanted to invite him for the national team because I, I, I was convinced of his talent. But it was impossible to win with uh, Dries again. So... I spoke also with other people and I said, we need, we need another project. We need another project. We need to, to find, because there, is, there are more players like Luis Martins. And, and this is then the reason why in 2008, yeah, we invest in this because now today the budget is about, yeah, maybe 40% to the future teams and 60% to the other teams. We can also say that we, we give only money. We invest only 
in the normal teams and no investments. Well, what are the outcomes? Kind of may, what would be the main yeah, out- the outcomes, outcomes of that program? When I, yeah. when I see the outcomes, it's unbelievable. Now mm. there are more players in the under 21s coming from the future teams. It's unbelievable. Because when you're working well with future players, with late mature players, yeah, they have something extra. Yeah, it's like struggle for life. When they are 13, 14 years old, the body is not growing. They are in the dressing room, they are looking around and they see there are early mature players and some, some boys, they even think that yeah, there is something wrong, that they are even sick. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. That, yeah what's happening, I'm not growing. I do not have muscles. And when they were 10, 11 years old, they were the best on the pitch. And in one year, they cannot make any more the difference. They cannot eliminate an opponent by dribbling. It's, it's so difficult. They are all sitting on the bench. They cannot perform. They cannot score anymore. And mentally, this is very, very strong. So those who survived this, of course, protected, supported by the club, at the end, they will be mentally very strong. And this is what we see. They are late Matthew players. Mentally, they are very the, 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 the outcomes that you've got, did you expect them back when you were driving that, that project? Did you expect 10 years later that it would, it would reach the outcomes you're talking about? It's difficult to say. We, we hoped this. Eh? So we did it for having results of a good outcome. But I repeat, for me, it was about doing this for the player, give them the same opportunities. And at the end, we will see, yeah, because it's also for young players to take with both hands the opportunities that we are giving them. And, um, okay, we are now very satisfied. Of the, it means that we still continue to invest in our projects, future projects, more than uh, before. But indeed, when you work with them, I really have the, 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 the feeling that you can yeah, reach more with your late developers than with early mature players. Because the danger is with early mature players, when you're 14 years old, they are the best on the pitch. They are scoring the whole, the whole time. They are defending well. They are physically so strong. And they do not see anymore the importance of working hard. Mm. It's too easy for them. And when the coach is focusing on winning, after the game, he scored three goals. What are you doing as a coach? You go to the striker and you're so happy and you show this. And this is not good. Yeah. Because it's too easy. It's you create an environment for the early mature players on a long term. It's not the right environment. And the late mature players, they need to battle. They need to work, to struggle. And this is good environment. But I repeat, of course, supported by the coach because you need to give them also confidence and to explain why he's not growing like other child and and to say you you are still very talented. And by organizing uh, activities with the national youth teams. Yeah, they are so happy when they arrive in our national training center, the late mature players. They are sitting on the bench in their club, and then they arrive in a, in, in a federation for a national uh, youth team activity. Yeah, at the end, they're taking so much confidence, they go back to the club, and then uh, they're so happy, this, this kind of thing. If, if, you, um, if you were to convince me of that project, that late development project, if you were to say, say I was the person with the, with the purse, with the money, and you had to say to me, these are the outcomes. These are the main outcomes we've achieved over 13 years, since 2008 of the, the late development program. What, what are they? What are, like, it's not, I'm sure it's not individuals to say, well, you know, this player has got to this level. What, what kind of um, performance indicators are they to say that this, this works and we're going to continue to invest in it? 
Yeah, of course, first, yeah, you need to define what is, what is talent for you in your federation. So we have five criteria and we are looking for players who fulfill these five criteria. Yeah, and, um, and it doesn't matter if they are born in January or in December or if they are born uh, or if they are early mature or late mature. But you need to do a right talent identification. And now I'm speaking really about uh, yeah, top level, about uh, finding your future um, yeah, senior uh, team, national team players. So it's very important to have really a performant talent identification system. Because why then you will develop the high potentials for the future. Yeah. When you're wrong in the beginning, when you're not working in the beginning with the right players, you will not achieve uh, what you want to achieve. So the, the talent identification process based on the five criteria is for me very important. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. It, it means Belgium, we are looking for players. First of all, insights in the game, very important. Yeah, decision-making on the ball, because, okay, off the ball, I think this is something that you can learn with on the ball. In a 1v1, this is the reason why we put a lot of uh, focus on 1v1 situations. Player must be able in a 1v1 situation to make the right decision between dribbling, passing or shooting. And, and this is crucial, yeah? When you see that a player is always making the right decision, I think he, is, he has something special, like Kevin De Bruyne, yeah? This kind of insight we are looking for. Of course, we need also players who are skillful. We call this good, good body and ball control. The first Touch is very important. Good movers we are looking for. Um, then we are also looking for players yeah, with speed, explosivity in football today. The game is going so fast. Yeah, so we are really looking for players who are fast. Yeah, like Lukaku, like, like Aiden Hazard. You see this guy, also Dries Mertens. You see the speed in their legs. It's very important. Then we are looking for the winning mindset, like I explained also in the beginning. It's very important that you find players who want to do everything for the sport, to so sacrifice also really, really a lot to, to, to really find, uh, yeah, or do the efforts to do. Uh, it's not easy for, for, for children that they really want to become uh, yeah, the best player even of the country. And I saw this when I worked with Lukaku. He was so ambitious. And when he was 16 years old, he said to me, coach, I want to go to the World Cup in South Africa. Yeah. And if you were qualified, you went. I'm convinced you went. We were not qualified. But he has this ambition when he was 15 years old. So you could say he's crazy, Lukaku, to say this. You want to be in the squad of the 18 when he's 17 years old. So we are looking for people with ambition, yeah, with a fantastic winning mindset. And the last criteria is what we call the learning ability. Yeah, we, we need to find players who learn very fast. It means you have to compare the beginning of the season with the end of the season. But players who are really always training and playing on 100%, yeah, uh, I think, yeah, they will learn faster. When they're always listening to you, when they have a good focus, a good concentration, a good mindset also, they will uh, make progress. So these are for us five criteria of talent. And it means, yeah, it doesn't make, make sense. Or Bob, when you're, when you're, kind of tra- when, when you're yeah. tracking that player, does, does it finish at a particular level? Does it finish at under 21 or does it continue on beyond that? No, we, we believe that the talent identification starts under 14 hmm. because then you have the starting also of the puberty. And then, yeah, you, it's possible. I think 
And where, where is the end point then? The end point is it's never finished, I think, but for your A team, also the, the, the coach of your uh, A team, I think he will select uh, players like Kevin De Bruyne, like Lukaku, like Dries Mertens, like uh, Axel Witzel and so on. Yeah? Because they, they have this, they need these qualities. And what is also very important that, okay, we are looking for players with the five competences, with the five criteria, but also the right profiles. Yeah. So we have seven profiles in football and we have some key characteristics of a profile. And this is very important that you also identify talent regarding the profile in modern football. So you need to be a little bit visionary and you need to predict the future of football because you prepare players for the future. When you look for talent 14 years old, you need to look for talent who will perform yeah, 10 years later. But who can, who can say today how football will be played in 2000? Do you know, you know all of this profiling and that? I, I assume you share that with players, do you? Because players probably need to know what's expected of them. Yeah, indeed. Yeah. So you have very specific profiles. Lukaku, when he was 14 years old, you saw that he will be a striker because he still had fantastic finishing skills. But sometimes, okay, you do not know this. You're looking for, and it's also good in the beginning when you're young to give a more uh, polyvalent um, development. It means that they can play on different positions. But at a certain moment, after the puberty, I think, when you see what is the body of a player, okay, then you can, can orient the player to a profile. Like, okay, goalkeeper, he must be tall. Uh, um, a central defender must be tall. Okay, when you see like Aiden Hazard, okay, is, is a more small player, but very quick. He will maybe play more on the wing, maybe play more as a playmaker. And this is yeah, something what, up, up until that up until that puberty stage, what's the what's the philosophy on player position? Is it let players play in a variety of positions, or do you still look at maybe one or two positions, center center back. You mentioned the center forward can play center back. At those younger ages, is it, how does that work? The younger they are, the more variety in positions. Mm. Because then we're speaking about basics. And the basics, it means you need an every position. Yeah, It's about uh, giving the, yeah, the right passes, dribbling, about kicking, about uh, controlling the ball. So this is crucial to, at the beginning, it means from seven, eight years old to 12, 13 years, really to focus on this. The better the basics, the basics are, the easier they will apply than team tactical principles. Then you go to team tactical principles and then you will also explain a little bit, okay, what does it mean when you're a defender? What does it mean when you play in the center of the pitch or on the, on the flank, on the wing? Um, so then you start a little bit profiling players to a fixed position, but it's also about uh, putting out a little bit of player out of his comfort zone, like um, a, a center defender. It's an easy, an easy position when you are a youth player in a 4-3-3. You play 2v1 and this is not good. So then it's better that um, when you will really develop um, center defenders who are very skillful in playing out, that they also play a lot of time as a midfielder as a holding midfielder, because then they will also develop uh, other qualities. So sometimes it's interesting to put a player in another position to develop some yes, skills 
they need to develop to become a, an excellent player. I, I often think it's good, you know, for a centre forward, it's often good to get a feel for centre back to kind of know yeah. what your your direct opponent is seeing indeed. from from their indeed. perspective. Yeah, 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 yeah indeed, it's, it can be interesting. Uh, I, I have three final questions for you, and I'm going to go. I'm going to go right down to the start of a player development, and, and right up to the top as well. So, I, I, when I read about the two v two at the younger age groups, tell me a little bit about that. What age group, and, and what's behind that? What's the thinking? It's a starting point, hmm. but the two v two for us is one v one, two goal defended by goalkeeper. Yeah, so you have to see this as a one v one. Only dribbling, no passing, only dribbling and scoring. And this is a starting point. So it means five, six years old is about leading, running with the ball, scoring and dribbling. Because a child, when he's five, six years old, is very egocentric, mm. but he needs to learn what does it mean running with the ball? What does it mean dribbling? Yeah. The more touches, the better. In the beginning, he is always looking to the so, that, so that's 1v1 with, with a keeper at each end. That's essentially. The, the, the faster he is passing the 1v1, the faster he can go to the next step is passing. But passing in a 1v1 situation to make the right decision. But what's the problem? When you go too fast to the passing situation, it means he is not able to dribble. He will never choose for dribbling later. So first, he must be able to dribble. And then when he is able to dribble, he will lift the hat. He will use his eyes to look around mm. and to see who is uh, the teammate who can receive the ball. And when you are going, as I said, too fast to passing, yeah, they are not skillful. They, have, they are struggling with the ball. And this is crucial. This is the reason why we start with 2v2, but it's a 1v1. Under six is dribbling, 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 and scoring appropriated goals. Next step is three-a-side, and then five-a-side, yeah? A five-a-side is uh, playing in a, in a diamond. So four players, four field players, and a goalkeeper, and every player has a direct opponent, and we create an environment where the player must make the right decision between dribbling, passing, short passing, and shooting, yeah? And then the next step is an eight side. It means... Why, why did you change 7v7 to 8v8? What was the, the change yeah, there? because in a 7 side, with the goalkeeper, you have six field players. You can never create an environment, 1v1, diagonal, because diagonal is important for the passing, and 1v1, direct opponent, yeah? So when you have six field players, you have three lines of two or two lines of three players. When you are playing eight aside, you have one goalkeeper, seven field players, you have double diamond. As we have a step earlier, a previous step, uh, five aside is, is, is only one diamond. It's easier. It's logic that you go from one diamond to a second diamond. So it means that you play football first from the, from the defensive diamond to the offensive diamond, but you will also skip lines. And a center defender, he can give a pass to a forward player, diagonal pass, and so on. So, but in the eight against eight, eight v eight situation until under 13, you have always one v one. You have always an opponent. It's a difficult situation. And for me, this is crucial for the creativity to create environments where you have always 
a direct opponent. Yeah. If, if I could bring direct you back opponent. to the start of this conversation uh, where we were talking about strengths and weaknesses of, of both countries, I know very general, but you, you mentioned how the 1v1 could be perceived as a competitive advantage that, that you would have over us. So that's quite an interesting one for, for ourselves here to uh, to think about, you know, and, and what you're talking about there. Um, two final questions. The the, the the because you're you're a youth national coach, what, what are the main barriers that you've seen to to those players finding success uh, in later years, whatever that success is, if that is playing professional football or whatever you deem success to be? What are the main barriers? What is that success and what are the main barriers to, to reaching it from, say, under 70 and onwards? First of all, I think it's about commitment. Um, you have qualities as a young player, play for national youth team in the 60s and the 70s, means you have qualities, yeah? But then um, it's not easy to, uh, to make the next step and to go from a development environment to a performance environment. So um, it means you have to listen really to coaches. You, uh, you have to integrate yourself. It will be sometimes difficult because, yeah, you are the best, maybe best player in your own uh, age category, in your team, young team. But then you come in, 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 a, in a world only with adult players and you come in a dressing room and it's not an, an easy environment. So you mentally, you need to be very strong and the commitment for me is very important. Then I think you need also um, cool, yeah? So there are a lot of influences. You have, um, yeah, the money. Too, too much money in the beginning is not good. You need to focus still on um, improvement, on learning, on uh, becoming a better player. The money is not important. And um, yeah, you have the player agent, you have sometimes the parents. Um, so there are a lot of bad influences around the young talented players. So you need to be very strong to be focused on your objective. So you need to determine very well your objectives, realistic objectives. It means that ambitious. So for me, the difference is, is really on, on the mental um, point of view. Um, okay, when you, you need to make, of course, everyday progression in the basics and in the team tactical principles and on physical point of view also. But I think with the right mentality, you can achieve more. Yeah. So yeah, it's yeah. Mm. working and this is crucial. Yeah. Because today our kids, they have everything. Yeah. Mm. Everything. And uh, we give them everything also. There is no long an, uh, an environment to struggle. It's sometimes too easy mm. and sometimes too much comfort. Yeah. And um, this is important that we challenge our players every day, but the player must be the, the, the coach for himself and must be very severe. And uh, with a good mindset, he can achieve his uh, objectives. You, uh, you've reminded me there of my, my own low-level uh, soccer uh, career, right, as, as an amateur. And I remember at the age of 17, being an okay, good amateur player school what we call schoolboy player but transitioning into adult football I struggled with hugely and I think it was mental it was playing alongside that much older player and you know being shouted at being you know just just trying to deal with that environment I gave up the game at that stage I just as you say it was the it was the mental bit at, at a very 
low level. I know you're talking about at, at high level uh, sport here, but it's the same applies. You know, you're not mentally, potentially not mentally ready for being in an, an adult environment. Yeah, and of, of course you need also a little bit of luck because the environment would be created by a coach, yeah? And you need also good coaches. I, I really believe in the impact of good coaches also. So it's not when you are not succeeding, when you're not achieving your objectives, you're not making a big career, sometimes it's not because of yourself, yeah? You need also a little bit of luck, injuries and so on, and the right environment, the chances on the right moment, the coaches around you. But it's, I think you need to do everything for yourself. At the end, you have to say, I did everything that I could say. And for me, the golden rule is what I call the 100% rule. Everything you do, do it at 100%. And then, okay, then uh, you will see where you arrive. I think that's a great way to finish, but I do want to ask you one final thing, because I mentioned it earlier. Just the use of language and categories and things like that. So, so often I would hear terms like the recreational player, the social player, the elite player. You've mentioned talent there. You've mentioned performance. What, what do you think are the appropriate terms for football from a young age upwards in terms of classifications? And Because for any, for you know, if you take two young boys, for example, and one is identified as elite or talented or whatever, the other is deemed the other, you know, and that can be, that can be difficult for anyone to go, well, he's, he's the talented one and I'm not, you know. But what would be your advice there um, in terms of just use of language and terminology? That's a good question because there is a danger also by using this kind of language like you are playing elite football or recreational football, or amateur football, sometimes it sounds a little bit negative, yeah? Mm. And for me, even it's not about um, the level, it's about the human being. And you have to show respect for all the players. And it doesn't matter at what level he is playing, yeah? Or she is playing. So I think you have to show respect. And for me, it's about playing football, and maybe it's better to use EBCD than to say this is elite and you are now playing elite football and you are very talentful, uh, talented. You, it's, I do not like this also, uh, really using this kind of uh, terms. Uh, yeah, be- Bob, you know what? It goes back to what we talked about earlier. If, if your own child is left on the sideline, it can hurt. And, and I think equally, it, it's the way of the world. People, people are put in talent streams, others are not. But I suppose it's to be aware and conscious of, particularly for, particularly for youngsters, that if, they, if they're not in the higher stream is, is, how, that's, is how that's communicated. And um, you know, that, that not, you're not using language like we're, we're dropping you down to the development team, for example, because all, all you hear is the dropping down bit, which, as you say, is a negative thing. You know? Yeah, you know, but it's also about finding the right level. Mm. And yeah, a little bit also, yeah, to be, um, how do you say it? Uh, to, be, to, to be realistic, yeah? So it's good, you must have objectives, you must show your ambition, but also uh, realistic ambition. And I think it's about, for kids, it's about having fun. And when it's too difficult, the game, when the level is too high, I think the child, they, he, he, will, he will change his ambitions a little bit. And then he will play on the second level and he will be happy. Mm-hmm. 
to play well on the on the second level. When the second level is too high, okay, then it's necessary that he or she plays the third level and so on. And this is also crucial to find the right level. Not easy, not easy. Like I explained, it's not good to be the best in your team. You need to be a little bit in the middle that the challenge is there, but also a little bit, yeah, you feel comfort and you feel that you can play a good game. You feel that it's going well. That is a little bit easy to, to dribble and to score and so on. So, and this is a huge challenge of every youth coach to create the right learning environment, to create the, the learning environment in which players themselves can develop uh, really very well. I have one final, final, final question, right? Because I'm, I'm conscious of time here. If you had a team, a young team, right? Say, let's let's say under 10 team, under 12 team, that, that kind of age group. And let's say you can have a squad of 10 players. Let's say that that's all you, you're allowed. And at the at the start of the season, you, you hold a trial. So the trial is you're 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 looking for other players to come in. And then you decide out of that trial, there's two better players than the 10 that I have. So you have to then move two players out to make room for those two players. What's your view on that, which is a very kind of thing that happens on a regular basis? Should you commit to the 10 players you have or how, how, how do you work that? Yeah, it's a good question because it's a very difficult situation. Um, I think, first of all, a club must do what we call in Belgium an internal scouting. Yeah. And it's not easy to assess the potential of your 10 players. Yeah. But when I'm working with the 10 players and I'm convinced, okay, they are playing on the right level, I'm not interested in doing trials and to, uh, to find other players from other clubs and to put them out their environments and to bring them to a new environment. Of course, when you have 10 players and you see that for two players, it's very difficult. The level is too high. It means that you go from the internal scouting to external scouting. But you see a lot of clubs focusing only on external scouting. And this is also not good. So I think when I can advise something to clubs, focus first on your own players, your own potentials. Check out the grassrootscoach.com community of grassroots soccer coaches for the sharing of knowledge and best practices.